Local on the Go Show listeners, don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Racing season is right around the corner, so grab your One to Go Show tee or hoodie today. Race fans, Ryan Aho here, and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert uh, said you had to do a little snow shoveling. Not, not much. That's, that's not a racing activity. We you can't be doing that. Uh, how much snow did you guys get up there in eastern Wisconsin? Um, well, last week we got um, uh, the town I live in. We got uh, about twelve inches over a two-day span, and um, yesterday we got well. First, we got uh, a layer of ice, and then we got like two inches of snow on top of that. So, so yeah, I've, I've snow blowed about, uh, well, five times in the last week. That's almost about the amount of times I've snow blowed all winter. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, you guys got a lot. Before this, before last week, uh, the ground was actually kind of bare. And actually, Shano Speedway posted pictures, and there is no snow on the track whatsoever. And well, so thought, we're gonna we're gonna blame him then. Brad posted <laughs> well, photos and jinxing you know, think, everybody. I'm thinking this bodes well for everything drying up for the start of race season. But uh, I, I think Mother I Nature, so. Mother Nature said, "Hold my beer on that one." <laughs> well, I tell you what, Minnesota always gets pounded in March. They always get at least one big snowstorm. It just is what it is. So. <laughs> Everybody just kind of expect that. And then once we get into April, when racing starts, then the snow can all be gone, go away, and we can get back to racing. You live in Tigerton, don't you? Is that where you live? Yes, yes. So do you, do you play like the eye of the tiger when you're out there shoveling snow or anything fun no, like that? I, <laughs> I, I don't play anything. I, I don't do a lot of shoveling. I have a snowblower. So That's called wisdom. I, I'm too old to be shoveling my entire driveway. Well, of course, episode 166 here, Bert. And uh, before we get started, a quick shout out to the folks over at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota, your go-to for all things racing. Whether it's tires, safety equipment, you need any kind of parts, you need fab work done, bodies, bumpers, you need a new chassis, whatever it is. Heck, if you just need some advice on racing, right? There's not enough of that to go around. Give those guys a call. They'll be glad to help you any way they can. Um, Ron over there and Trevor, they do a fantastic job. Continue to be uh, helping a lot of people. They have great careers in racing themselves. And uh, now their passion is helping other people. So Dirt uh, dirt Track Supply, Watertown, South Dakota. Get a hold of those guys. On this week's show, Bert, we got a lot of little stuff here. But kind of the main topics, you know, we're going to do some race fan feedback. A little bit juicy here this week. We got some good ones in here. Kind of like it. A little bit of controversy. Um, our top tens, right? There was no real racing. I mean, there's NASCAR, Brad's favorite. Just kidding, Brad. Kidding. Relax. Relax, okay? But there was no dirt track racing this past week to speak of. So we're going to just talk about our top ten. Like, what's our top ten go-to events of 2023? What are we looking forward to? And we're going to talk about our picks and some bold predictions that we have. We've got some pretty cool stuff we're going to talk about, little tidbits here and there, and a whole lot more. But first, and we got a lot of them this week, Bert, but first, <clears throat> a blast to the past brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. You know, if you're self-employed, if you are an employee and you have to pay for your own health care and you're paying too much, 
if you own a business and you have a lot of employees and you're sick of forking out a ton of money for healthcare, give me a call, give me a text, 218-969-1380. I have a great product out there that can help you keep some of that money in your pocket called Impact Health Sharing. It's been fantastic. You can go to any doctor. I can get you a quick quote, get you some information and uh, go from there. See if we can maybe help you out. Um, but Bert, number 166 here this week, 166. I don't have any 166s, do you? I do not have a 166. I have a bunch of 66s here. Do you have some 66s? Um, yes, I have some 66s. All right. Are they all local? <laughs> um. All of them, except for one that I just thought of as national. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to, that was going to be my trivia question. I think you probably got it. This driver, okay, this mystery driver is most notably known for the drama that occurred at the 1997 late model dream at Eldora. He had a four-wheel drive car. It was a GRT house car. He was leading the feature in the voodoo child. Scott Bloomquist turned him around. There was, the, they had the no-fault caution rule back then. He took it into his own hands. He drove over the top of his left rear. He drove him into the wall. This was all under caution. Got black flagged, a whole lot of drama. And the ice band, Jimmy Mars, went on to win that 1997 late model dream, Bert, what do you got? I I was just going to say that, you know, the, the, does Jimmy Mars get a dream win if this event doesn't happen? (laughs) It's one of those things where I guarantee Jimmy Mars probably lost with some stupid stuff happening. So it's only right that he capitalized and got a win that way too. So I I would say Bert, uh, I I don't think he does. I, I don't think Jimmy Mars wins that race. But any other memories other than that of Bill Fry? Anything stick out to you? Um, well, I just thought of this, but I mean, you could make a case that the reason, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, and if I'm not remembering this correctly, uh, please uh, <laughs> let us know after you hear this, but you can make a case that uh, Bill Fry is the reason that the fans fund got started for the USA Nationals. Uh, because really? if I remember correctly, funds were collected to bring Bill Fry to the USA Nationals. Um, you know, he was the only driver that first year that they brought. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> There's a homework assignment. So if you're a fan and you happen to know if that is the case, post that in the comments. Otherwise, Bert, that's your homework assignment for the week. Do a little research. Uh, and, see if you can find out. That's pretty cool. And also, if I remember correctly, that year that uh, he got paid to come there through the fans fund, his car was not running very good at all. It was not running good. And he wound up racing um, the number eight car of, is it Greg Hill? I believe he's well, from Canada. Back, back then, no, Greg Hill's from the Iron Range. There was a Brian Nelson um, that was from International Falls right by Canada. He was a number eight. And then there was a Larry Stockwell from Wisconsin. No, it, he, it wasn't Larry. It wasn't Stockwell. Maybe maybe Brian Nelson, who 
I mean, he's from South Canada. I mean, International no. Falls is, you could throw a rock across the Rainy River. I don't know. Maybe we'll do some research on that. That's interesting. That's uh, kind of a couple of cool little tidbits there. Yeah. So, so yeah, other than those stories, I don't have any other stories about uh, Bill Fry. <laughs> there, that's some pretty good ones there. Who else do you have for number 66, Bert? Um, well, locally, well, I mean, he's not retired yet, but you can't, I mean, from Eastern Wisconsin, you can't uh, mention a 66 without uh, mentioning Ron Berna, who uh, has three IMCA track championships at Channel Speedway, and I think he's up to 10 or 11 uh, late model track championships at Channel Speedway, and uh, he's number 66. So it's not a blast from the past because he's still racing, but uh, I got to mention him. Um, he's had a great career over there <laughs> yes uh other another driver um he raced in the 1970s mostly and maybe in the early 80s no probably more in the 70s uh at shano speedway yeah um wayne reckworth um and uh interesting tidbit about him is uh after he finished racing uh he became the announcer at shano speedway for several years so nice nice i like it i like it and the other three um are drivers who are not known for the number 66 but they raced for a car owner crook schultz who who his cars had the number 66 on them and these three drivers like i said are not known for the number 66 but they are three of the best drivers to ever race in Northeast Wisconsin. And all three of them are in the Shano Speedway Hall of Fame. <laughs> really? So who do yes. we got? Uh, Roger Regas, um, who's mo most well known for racing the 96. Um, unfortunately, he, he passed away within the last year or two. Uh, and then the other one is another one is a flying farmer of Roger Paul from uh, New London, Wisconsin, uh, Terry Casey's hometown. Right. And uh, Roger Paul is better well known for racing the number 95. And then the third driver to uh, race that car uh, is uh, MJ McBride, who, really? who is also obviously most well known for racing the number five, but he also raced the uh, a number thirty, number sixty six, and I want to say oh, and number forty seven. <laughs> right, I would say you can't be forgetting what numbers that I mean, like, come on now. So that that's interesting. So a, a legendary car owner, um, in number sixty six had some pretty darn good drivers behind the wheel. Um, so sixty six, it's hard to believe that there's so many. Right. I mean, you had a bunch. A lot of times you're like, well, I got one. I got two. You had a several there. I have several on my end and uh, kind of another unique one. This guy's most well known for driving the 45 up in the twin ports with the 66 of T-Man. Terry Inman, buddy of mine, Lauren Inman. This is his dad. He actually sent me over a bunch of pictures and some notes. But uh, Terry actually, he had retired from racing and him and uh, I guess it would, I think it's his brother. It must be his brother. Daryl, Daryl was number 21. Terry was number 45. So one last dance out there, so to speak, 45 plus 21 equals 66. That was a number went out, made some laps there uh, in his final year in the number 66, another 66 late model guy. 
Um, his, his dad actually builds engines still to this day. Okay. Over, uh, over in Minnesota, a lot of Wasota stuff. And he was, he was a stud in the modified. He was really good in the late model. Dan Ebert most recently drove this late model. Well, it's just, are you asking who the car owner is? I'm asking who was the driver of that car before he uh, hung up the steering wheel. Well, I don't know um, how to pronounce his last name, but Biat. You're close. You got it. You got it. You're close. (laughs) I will will not subject you to butchering the alphabet. Eric Breestoten. Um, okay. <laughs> he was, I tell you what, he put together some good laps. He won a lot of races. He was fun to watch, very aggressive behind the wheel. I remember one time, I feel like somebody got into him. Maybe it was a lapper and he turned it sideways and he went yard sailing all the way through the infield at Fergus Falls and still came out in the lead on the other side of the racetrack. I'm like, what the heck just happened there? And, uh, I don't know what the whole story is there, Bert. I don't know if he had some medical issues. I know he's married. Maybe she's the medical issue. I'm not really sure. Harlan probably has his opinions on that, but uh, he has he has not raced for a number of years now and uh, a kid that really got around the track really good. Another guy, legendary family, okay? And I don't know how he's tied in. Maybe somebody, I'm sure somebody does, he can post in the comments, but back in my super stock, my early super stock days, I raced against a guy by the name of Rob Chrisman. We all remember Dick Chrisman, right? The 89. Rob is a relative. I don't know if that would be a, maybe a nephew, a cousin. I'm sure they got to be related somehow because they're from Superior. But Rob Chrisman, he, he was tough. He ran some really good races in the Super. And most recently, him and his son were both in the Pure Stock class. He was back behind the wheel. I don't know. I think he ran a little bit last, uh, last year as well. But I know he took several years off, and I feel like he got back behind the car and maybe endowed it a couple times. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that doesn't happen if he gets back out there this year. Here's another one. I don't know if you'll know this guy, Bert, but if I say um, Western Minnesota modified guy, I mean, this guy was flat out dominant on the high-flying half mile. He had the orange 5X, right? I don't know if you remember the Orange 5X. I mean, he won a ton of championships over there. Well, around 2004, 5, 6, in that neighborhood, there was a, a, a car owner. I don't remember what the guy's name was, but put him in the number 66 super stock, and he ran primarily over at the Viking Speedway, but then he ran some specials at the end of the year. Do you remember Scott Dan Zeeson? No, I don't. <clears throat> yeah, he was good. So this guy's dominant and super serious, right? I used to like to mess with people. Still do. Still do, I guess. But I remember a couple stories about Dan Zeese. And we're over at the Wasota 100 back when it was like the big 100 at Cedar Lake. Nothing against Fergus, but it's just not the same. Okay. Well, they had the race of champions, which that's a done deal. They're not having that. I don't understand why there's no press release yet. Wasota's kind of, I don't know what their deal is with that, but there's no race of champions this year. But they used to have all the champions down on the stage, and then they take a picture of all the track champions. Just get ready to take the picture. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they're like, and they're like, what, what? I said, Scott. And I had him turn around and I, I fixed his hair. I said, okay, we're good now. And he's always so <laughs> serious. He just, he just like turned around. I'm like, dude, you got to smile a little bit. 
And uh, I remember one night <clears throat> I was over at the Viking Speedway. Might have been my first time there or second. And I was on my way there. I was late, hipping rained out. And I called a buddy of mine. I said, hey, when I get here, like, I got to change gears yet. Like, can you help me? I literally ran out of gas in the hauler, pulling in. So I was, like, out in the main parking lot, not even in the pit area. So I, I backed the car out. We're changing gears. My buddy says, you got to watch out for this guy. There's, another, there's a driver, not, not Scott Danzeason, but there was another one. He said, just watch out for him. He said, you're going to have to pass him first lap. The guy gives me a flat tire in the heat, right? So I have to start last in the feature. I come from dead last. It was like 22nd, 24th. And me and Jeff Krause were like rolling right to the front, right? He's right behind me and we're carving all the way to the front. Yellow comes out. And remember, Bert, when the yellow come out, they used to stop the cars on the front straightaway and then reline everybody back up. <clears throat> well, they stopped them up front and I'm like in sixth and I pull up next to them, right? And I turn and I angle the car towards them. I rev it up and I go just like this. <laughs> like a rod and reel and the crowd erupted now they hated this guy hated him hated scott danzeason why because he won all the time right he was that guy that his brother was kind of boisterous scott not so much he's just all there to win but the crowd hated him they did not they were so sick of him winning that i had a ton of people come down to the car afterwards and like oh man that was awesome i actually got inside of him for the lead and we got together. I bent the tie rod. I got second. He won, but it was it was a very memorable night uh, racing against the old '66 uh, of Scott Danzeason. Another guy here, which uh, I wish our boy Puka was on the show, Bert. I wish our boy Puka was on the show. A guy that I played high school hockey with, and actually Puka's brother Steve, he played high school hockey. Incidentally, both of these two were better at hockey than me. I'm just gonna say it right now, okay? Not quite the athlete type, okay? Now, with that said. Paul Roberts played hockey, and next thing you know, he started dating. You've heard Bob Girardi's name, right? He was actually married to Bob Girardi, kind of the godfather of Kelly Lake Racing, and uh, ran the number 66 Super Forum for quite a number of years um, through the mid to late 90s, and I think right around early 2000, and then he kind of hung up the steering wheel. But Paul Roberts, uh, a Chisholm guy. So, I mean, that, that's Puka's boy, Chisholm boy right there. Another late model guy, Bert, you might get this one. You should get this one. You should, okay? Western Wisconsin guy. He's in the Hall of Fame at the Red Cedar Speedway, inducted in 2015. At the Rice Lake Speedway, inducted in 2013. I don't know if Cedar Lake has the Hall of Fame, but if they do, he'd be in that as well. Track champion at seven different racetracks one features at 20 different racetracks in his last full year of late model racing was 1982. I'm drawing a blank. Phil Prusak. I haven't heard of him. Oh man. You're killing me, Bert. Bert you're killing me. You're <laughs> dropping the ball today. Okay. So Phil Prusak, the guy that I remember that he had a really cool looking car, red, white, and blue. And I look back, like, on the 2020 racing history page, there's a lot of pictures of him in the 63. I'm like, had no idea that he ran number 63. I remember him as a number 66 in his late years of racing. Never got an opportunity to meet him, but heard a lot about him for sure. And uh, the last one, I have another legacy family. Um, we talk about some of the legacy families out there in racing. So Tom Corneliuson Sr., 
was a number 66. Now, there's a lot of Corneliusons out there. He's the older brother of uh, the late Gary Corneliuson. And Gary actually, uh, Lauren and I put together a, um, a memorial race for him up at the Proctor Speedway. Just a great guy. I mean, absolutely like salt of the earth. That guy that just was friendly to everybody. He, he was just that guy. Just loved racing. But, but Tom raced. And then their dad, it all started there with a guy by the name of Russ Cornelison. And I never knew him. I never, I didn't even know that he raced. But then, of course, Tom raced. Gary raced. Tom's sons, um, Tommy Jr. and Ricky both raced. Sounds like Tommy Jr. might get back into a pier stock this year. And then Russ's daughter, Deb, her sons raced. Andrew Inman, who had a hell of a year last year in the 11, won a bunch of races. And uh, Jeremy Hall, who has not raced for a couple of years, but multiple generations of racing there, Bert, in the Cornelius and family. So always cool, always fun. That was a long version of the blast of the past you know but i i enjoy kind of a look back at some of the people that did it long before before we were watching racing and while we were watching racing growing up but bert what do you say we get to a little uh race fan feedback let's have a little fun we got a little bit of we're gonna hurt some feelings probably but this is just feedback we're, we're gonna we're gonna go off of the emails and stuff that we get but before we do that buyracershirts.com folks it's that time of year right racing season is literally right around the corner if you need hoodies you need t-shirts you need hats you need uh, crew shirts polos whatever it is right you need apparel that's your go-to buyracershirts.com for racers buy racers you can buy apparel in any quantities it's got different programs out there look them up online and uh, they do a great job so i got we're going to skip. We got, we got so many here. We got so many that the first one, we're going to go with what Brent. So Brent, he's actually sent us some feedback in the past and we'll start with his and then we'll do Lucas's as well. Okay. So, so Brent asks, he said, should, should dirt tracks have a scoring loop like NASCAR? So, NASCAR, if you're not familiar, because a lot of us really haven't watched much NASCAR in the last since Dale Earnhardt died. Okay, if there's an altercation in NASCAR, there's scoring loops all over the track, and whenever the whenever they go yellow, they look to see where everybody is in accordance to those loops, and that's how they place everybody in. Okay, should they have that? Is that something you can see happening? Is there a need for that in dirt track racing? I don't think there's a need for it and I don't see it happening. It's just a, uh, another expense that, uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of technology would be required that, um, but I'm, I'm assuming that area tracks don't have the technology right now to do that. So they would have to purchase, uh, whatever the technology is. Um, and so, and personally, I don't think there's a need for it. I mean, we've done <laughs> look, we've done fine with the the way we've been doing it. So I don't think there's a need for it. Have you ever been a lap car? No, I haven't. Okay, we might want to ask them. Okay, we might well, want to ask. But in particular, but, we want to probably ask the lap counters that were scoring races when I was racing. Okay, but, maybe I mean, we got to get Deb on here. 
most cars have transponders now. So, I mean, they can, they can go with that to see who is leading the last lap, but to actually have a scoring loop to find out where they were on the track, exactly when the caution flag came out, I don't think that's, that's necessary. Yeah. I'll play devil's advocate because we've all felt as a racer, you always, when the yellow comes out, if you're on the move, you feel slighted every time. Right. And, and the reason is because sometimes when you pass somebody and there's a yellow, you got to go back to the last completed lap. Right. And the last completed lap could be almost two laps, right? Because you have to get, the, everybody has to complete it. So there's been times where I pass somebody and I'm like, she's out of her freaking mind. Like I passed like a two laps ago. What is she talking about? Right. And so it would be, I mean, you're still going to have that. We're racers and we bitch. That's what we do. It's just, that's just natural. That's all we do. Um, in all reality, probably not. I mean, they're running four or 500 mile races. We're running 20 laps, 25 laps. I mean, very, very seldom would I say that it would be something we need, but you're right. It's more of an added cost, probably a more headache than it's worth. Worth. Um, a lot of tracks don't even have people that are qualified to, to do the simple scoring if they have to get into that. And that's no knock on them. It's just that they don't pay anything and it's all part-time. It's hard to find help. And, you know, and trying to train somebody to do that. NASCAR is a, you know, that's, that's a big business. They got people that are on staff to do that. Um, I, I, I think it would probably cause more headaches than it's worth, but that's a good question. Another question we have. <clears throat> okay. So this guy's clearly a, a sports fan, right? So you think, you think football, right? Think NFL right now. It's, you know, we're literally in the combine week, right? In a couple of weeks, we got free agency starts and then we got the draft, right? And all of that is dictated by a salary cap. You can only, like, you can only spend so much money. In racing, you can only spend so much money too. It's like as much as you have, right? That's about what you can spend. However much you have, you can spend that much. So his question was, is it possible to have a spending cap, so to speak, that would be similar in theory to a salary cap that would help race teams reduce costs. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't think it's possible unless you mandate every single part on the car has to be this, you know, this part, this part, this part, and this part. Um, And even at that, those companies will all raise prices is what will happen. Well, but yeah, well that and um, drivers, race teams will figure out how to skirt that. I mean, it, it is. What do you, I don't understand what you meant by that. <laughs> are you I saying mean, racers are I cheaters? Mean, what? what? What's what's the saying? You're not cheating or you're not trying or, or what? Is... <laughs> are you going to have to ask somebody else? I never heard that. I and um I mean, I think the only way you could do that is if the the track or series owned all the cars and all the cars stayed at that facility and you had one person maintain all the cars and um, you show up and you don't know what car you're going to be driving. You like pick you mean a number. like the IROC series? Yeah, kind of like the IROC series. Right. But then I could see then I could see drivers kind of slipping some money to the person maintaining the cars and. That would happen. Um, I do have a solution to this. Um, I, I like the I like his mindset here. I do. Oh yeah. Um, 
and I think the solution is really the, in, when you're making rules, okay, whether you're a sanctioning body or the promoters make it or just one person maybe in a certain sanctioning body might make the rules, one of the things they need to look at when making rules is make rules that take away the performance advantage of a checkbook, okay? So there are things where you can flat out limit traction, right? There's things that you can do that that rule in theory will help like defend against like somebody that's just got a ton of money. And that, I mean, shocks, like spec shocks, they tried that in the streets and they just went about it all wrong. But, you know, you start looking at spec shocks and different things like that. There's things that you can do that will help really take away that performance advantage. But at the end of the day, people are going to spend it, right? I mean, if they see, if they're, if they're like, I can gain two horsepower with that. Yeah. 1500 bucks. Give me two of them. Right. That's just how racers think. It just is, you know? So unfortunately it's one of those deals where people are going to spend as much money as they have. And I think that's where a driver really has to, if you're going to race, put your ego to the side and get in a class to where you can competitively compete. Like on the budget that you have, you can race at a high level. I don't care what class it is. Don't care, right? It could be pure stocks, street stocks, mod fours, hornets, mods, late models. I don't care. Pick a class that you can afford that you're like, I can have the best of everything in this class and it's not going to totally kill me, right? I'm not going to be way outclassed by everybody else. Race that class. It'll be just as fun, I promise. So the next question we have from Brent, the last one we have from him is, what characteristics have you seen that are common amongst successful winning drivers? So Bert, what have you um, seen? Well, uh, dedication, um, uh, willing to learn, uh, willing to put in the time required to, to, to learn or to work on the car, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and sadly, I think we're kind of getting away from that a little bit too, right? Because now people are literally like, hey, I'll just go pay somebody else to work on it. You just show up and drive. I've seen some of that. Well, and, and there's also, I mean, I, I, I've seen this um, where, you know, there there is a younger generation of drivers out there, but some of them it seems like their dad and their dad's friends are doing all the work on the car and they just race the car. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more and more of that happening for sure. They're, they're like, well, I can't work. I'm, I'm been playing video games right now. Right. Um, confidence. I'm going to go with yeah. confidence. Um, there's a certain swagger and this ain't. So I'm, I'm literally at this truck stop, Bert. The lights went out everywhere. She is built. Oh, the lights went back on. They did pay their light bill. Turns out loves here. Did pay their light bill. Thank goodness. And not everybody's scared. But I'm gonna go with that. That's that's the case in all sports. You kind of get that little bit of a swagger, right? You kind of that that alpha dog, that alpha, right? To where you're an alpha. You might not be an alpha in all parts of life, but you're an alpha in that situation. Like you know, a lot of times when you're at the highest level, you can do things with a race car that if your confidence is down just a little bit, you can't do, right? 
And these cars nowadays, you have to drive them hard. You're carrying a lot of corner speed. And the more confidence you have, the more you're up on the bars and the car's going to work better. So I would say confidence is probably the biggest thing that I've seen. So, Bert, we got a novel here from Lucas. And, and uh, I'm going to preface it by saying that this is an email we got from a race car driver, okay? So when Bert reads this off, this isn't him and I writing this. This is from a race car driver, okay? We're going to comment on it after he reads it, okay? It's a little bit lengthy, but, but it's I've gotten a lot of messages, text messages, calls that they sound similar to this, but this one was long, and I'm like, you know what? Well, let's read this one right here. So, Bert, why don't you go ahead and read that email, and then we'll uh, we'll share our thoughts on it. All right. Um, let's talk tires. I want Wasoda to explain step-by-step step to all the drivers how we should all get our tires this year. Say I want to run 30 shows. What is the Wasoda plan for me to get the tires I need to run the year? I called Hoosier. And it's all with soda dictating this stuff. I can pretty much get tires for other sanctioning bodies, no problem. And it seems certain people can get all the 35W tires they want. Some drivers run multiple cars 50 nights a year, put new tires on as much as they please, and still have a stash of close to 100 in their shop. Everybody else has to try to buy them at the track. The track vendors cannot supply the tires equally for 100 cars or whatever a night so even at the track level even at the track level it now becomes a game of who you know and how well you're connected if you're not in the club you're shit out of luck if they are mandating a tire every single driver needs the same opportunity to supply their program with said tire it should not matter if you're running for a national title or run five nights a year we all buy the same license, which shockingly also went up this year. If it's a supply thing, fix the supply. Rod is supposed to be a great deal maker businessman. Figure this out. If you can't do that, fix the rule. If you do neither of those, the demand will eventually fix itself after people either quit or start running a different sanction. Those are the options as I see them. So tell me what I'm supposed to do with soda. Why should I even buy a license to run your tracks? It makes zero sense to spend all this money and go out with a total, go out with a total disadvantage because we simply can't get tires. And yet we are allowed zero alternatives. It's their name on the side of the tire. This is a Wasoda problem and they need to actually address it. Given the past few years, I'm not holding my breath. It's to the point that we might not, that it's to the point that we might just run non-sanctioned all year. This debacle wasn't necessarily created by Wasoda, but they have done nothing in the past three years to fix it. They've done this longer than I have. What are we supposed to do? Now that driver, Bert, is from Wisconsin, okay? And that matters, right, because was sort of flat out screwed the Wisconsin drivers last year. It was awful. In the middle of the season, amidst this whole tire shortage, right, they made the decision that the vendor at Cedar Lake and at Jim Falls were non-sanctioned tracks. They could no longer buy with soda Hoosiers. 
that that came from the executive director of Wasota. That was from Rod Lindquist. That was his decision. Okay. Now that that in theory, I, I get it. I get what he was doing, trying to protect the Wasota tracks, but they also had a mandate in there that most vendors, if you weren't their customer, right? If you weren't buying tires from them in the past, you couldn't buy tires from them, right? So Dirt Track Supply, they did a fantastic job. They, they said, look, we're going to supply our customers. We're going to ration it. I don't care. I don't care if you're, you know, the, the king of the world. And I don't care if you race one night a year, everybody gets their equal amount. And, and Trevor did a great job at that, okay? And, and I think a lot of vendors probably did. I think a lot of vendors really did. But the problem is, is a Wisconsin driver last year that races maybe Cedar Lake on Saturday, but maybe they want to race Menominee on Friday. Okay. Well, if they bought all their tires from V-Brock, right? Cause they, that's where they live. And now all of a sudden they can't get them there anymore. Guess what? Now they can't even get tires. They could not buy them from places because that's the way it was set up last year. So this is a viable question. What the hell are we supposed to do? Give us, give us something. So with Soda, whether you're a board member or Rod, somebody put together a press release, address this. If you're a driver in that area that can't buy tires because there's a shortage, what are these drivers supposed to do? That, that is a viable question. And the, the Cedar Lake deal, you know, the non when he talks about non-sanction, that's exactly why Cedar Lake, I talked to them guys. They said, that's why we're going to stay with the mod rules for sure, how we have it. They were kind of open to some different things in other classes, not after Wasota kind of gave them the runaround last year with the tire deal. That really hurt that relationship. But their mod rules over there, Bert, are you can run the, the G, you can run the G60s, you can run the USRA tires, you can run the Wasota tires. Come race, come race. You got a tire, come race. We'll, we'll make it work. It's, if, if we're in a tire shortage, if that happens again this year, and I don't know if we'll have one or not, I, I haven't heard that. That's why Jim Falls and those those guys they had more cars. Jim Falls' car count was higher than Menominee. Why? Because a lot of their drivers had no issues getting American racers. So that was a viable deal. So it's, it wasn't necessarily who you know with all the vendors, but it was who you know with Hoosier Tire North a little bit, which is, you know, I don't want to throw them under the bus any more than I already have, but it is what it is. That's true. You know, when if, you, if certain drivers can't get tires and certain drivers can, that's a problem, right? So, you know, the alternative. So I, I think that that is something right now that I think that needs addressed. I think that Wasota needs to put something out there addressing this, talk to the drivers. This is what we're going to do. This is a game plan. And uh, with the tire costs going up, which, you know, that's a story for another day. The tires went up this year in Wasota, right? But they're not as high as UMP and not even close as, as what UMP pays. The average driver, Bert, can't pay that. But rest assured, be back on next week's episode. Might have a solution for that. Stay tuned. I, I, I personally have a solution for that. That's a teaser. You're going to have to come back next week and you're going to hear about my solution to reducing the cost on tires. You're going to like this. So, Bert, what is your thoughts on this whole debacle? Uh, well, I mean, I agree with him that, um, you know, if, if you if you buy a sanctioning license and you're going to race sanctioned races, you need to have the same opportunity to buy the 
the required elements that the sanctioning body requires you to have on your car. And one of them is tires. And, um, and that doesn't mean bald tires. You know, oh, you got tires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, get all the tires you want. You got a little tread left on them, but hey, uh, you know, bangers can't be choosers, right? Right. So, I mean, I see his point and, um, you know, before all these sh supply issues, we never had this problem before. So, um, unfortunately, I don't know if it's ever going to be, be back to the way it was before the supply issues. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And, and I guess I'll, I'll touch a little bit on this other one we had. We had another comment from Joe and, and the comment and the question was, if you're a new person getting into racing, who do you, where do you even go for advice? Like, what do you, like a lot of people don't even know who, who to turn to now. Right. Cause let's face it. If you go to the wrong person, you're going to spend 50 grand on a B mod, right? You know, Oh yeah, you got to have this and this and this, you know? And so you need to, there, there's gotta be an Avenue out there where people can actually go to people to get proper advice on how to start racing at a lower budget, get what they need without going flat broke. And, and I want to commend somebody on that, Kaylee Emerson, who uh, runs the, the Northern Renegades. They, they have a program, a driver's program, where it's kind of like, hey, if you're interested in sprint cars, here's who you talk to. We'll get you set up at a low cost. So they have a pretty good deal with that. Well, when I was younger, I wanted to race when I got older. And, um, you know, this was... This was in. Are the you 80s. not older yet? Are you not older yet? <laughs> well, I don't want to race anymore. Oh. <laughs> um, this was in the '80s, so I mean, this was way before the internet and all of that stuff. So I actually, you know, I subscribed to Stock Car Racing magazine at the time, and looking through their ads, there's a ad for different books that are available, and one of the books was How to Get Started in Racing, and uh, one of they're one of the things that you know, I bought this book. One of the things they recommended was get in the pick crew for a driver in the division that you want to start in. So, you know, which I think is great advice. I mean, right. dri drivers are always looking for, for help. And, um, you know, if you get, if you get in a pick crew in a division that you want to start in, you're going to learn what it all takes to be, um, to at least get on the track and, you know, hopefully you'll see what it takes to be successful when you get on the track. Right. Right. And, and I think that's needed. And with the internet, you gotta be careful. You gotta sift and sort, you know, through the information and make sure you're talking to the right people. And, uh, that just being around, go, go observe for your, be on a pit crew, like you said, and kind of observe and you'll kind of learn, learn who to talk to. But, who not. You know, it, it used to be, you know, drivers would get started, you know, they'd put in their lumps, you know, they, you know, there's a learning curve you'd have to go through, but unfortunately racing, you know, with technology and everything, it's kind of taken it there, but everybody just wants to buy buy what's going to make you go fast, whether it's buying setups or, or, you know, the latest gadget, you know, the days of going to the junkyard to get a, a part are, are long gone. <laughs> right. For sure. There's no question about that. So let's not, let's shift gears, right? We talked about, uh, you know, on the preface here, we we're going to talk about our top 10 must see events. And I originally had of 2023, but we're already two months in 
So if it happened to be something previous, right, or that happened earlier in the year, so it could be any year, but what would you say the top 10? Now, before we get into that, a little shout out, Brad Parson Egg Solutions. So <clears throat> if you're a farmer, right, there you go. Eggzyme <laughs> is one of his great products that he has. He has a lot more products than just that. But if you're over in Western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, right, it's almost that time, right? Snow's here, winter, it's cold, I get it. But, but planting season is really close, right? You're going to want to get a hold of Brad. And his number is 320-219-3542. And, and we know that the right chemicals applied properly in the right amounts is going to yield you great results. Great results in farming is a higher yield. It's more profitability, more money in your pocket, more bang for the buck. So get a hold of Brad. He'll take good care of you and uh, get your 2023 farming season started off in the right way. So, Bert, if I like everybody likes dogs, everybody. And if you don't, <laughs> you just like you suck. I just is what it is. OK. Um, and so you can you can show your dog. They don't have to hide. <laughs> show, show your dog. Come on. This is Revy. She's a puppy and she like needs attention all the time. <laughs> I need attention all the time. You know, I'm not a puppy, but I maybe I'm identifying as one today. So <laughs> if money were no object and you didn't have to ask the boss for time off, right? And you could and you could go to any 10 events, but you could only go to 10, right? only go to 10 what are your top 10 that that like you like these are absolute like these are the ones that i would for sure want to attend um well mine aren't necessarily for 2023 i kind of did my bucket list of events Perfect. that i'd like to go to yep. before i die i guess <laughs> there you go there you go what do you got um well i'm gonna go Number 10, um, I have to have one Wisconsin race on there, so I'm going to go with the USA Nationals. <laughs> okay, okay. What do, you, what do you got? And I don't have any particular order. I got 10 oh. now, okay. but go ahead and just roll right through your 10. Okay. Um, the Dream, um, uh, the Dirt Track World Championship, uh, and this, is, this isn't just one event, but... Uh, a Hell Tour Week in Illinois. Um, the Topless 100. Uh, the IMCA Super Nationals in Boone. That's a good one. Uh, Florida Speed Weeks at East Bay and Volusia. Uh, the Knoxville Nationals for Sprint Cars. Uh, the World 100. And Falls, Fairbury. World of All Any, Rings. Any other, oh, so Prairie Dirt Classic? Yeah, Prairie Deer Classic. Okay. So we have a few weird, right? We got a few that are same. So in no particular order here, the World 100. You've been there. Um, I have not. I've never even been to Eldora. I was, I, from what I understand, the culture at that race, the just the atmosphere is is unbelievable for a dirt late model race. And, and it's the World 100, right? It's not even the highest paying race, but it's the most prestigious and it ain't close. Okay. The Knoxville Sprint Car Nationals. If you're a race fan, I don't want to hear this, ah, oh, sprint car, I don't like sprint cars. Well, whatever. We, we don't care if you don't like sprint cars. I didn't like sprint cars at one point either. But the Knoxville Nationals 
is the highest attended fan count of any race on dirt, period. And it's again, it's not close. It's the biggest atmosphere, the biggest, most electricity in all of dirt racing. The Prairie Dirt Classic, which Bert, I'm going to the Prairie Dirt Classic this year, and we are going to win fifty thousand dollars. Okay, I hope that so. <laughs> going, that is going to happen. Okay, the Sprint Car Million at Eldora. Wow. You know, there's been two million to win late model races now there's a million to win sprint car race at eldora this year boy that i might i'm gonna do everything i can to try to get a load in that direction that would be fantastic the john sites memorial the john sites memorial that race right there i've, I've watched it every year and and i kind of harped on like adding supers i think is stupid just because i love supers but just you know, sometimes less is more. You don't need all the classes. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll still be good. The racing has been great. John John Seitz was a great guy. He had a huge following. Everybody that knew him liked the guy. And I raced against him. He was a great competitor. You know, so the hist that event's become a, a Wissota Crown Jewel event. And and it's it's definitely as close as you can get to the 100 as far as quality of cars at any invitational. So that's a big one. Husets. I got two events at Husets, the bull ring in South Dakota. This year's 250,000 to win Husets high bank nationals. That, that race right there is going to be good. And the, inaug I don't want to call it, I guess it's the inaugural um, silver dollar nationals to be held at Husets moving, of course, from, uh, I-80 Speedway up to Houston's and in that last Lucas race that was there, Bert, that was a good race. That was yeah. that was pretty dicey. So they were both going to be good. I got to get a little USMTS love in here. The 25th anniversary night of the USMTS um, at Mason City, August 16th and 19th, 25,000 a win. That's going to be a good event right there. I forgot about Boone. Sorry, Brad. It's not, I'm not hating on IMCA. That's a fucking <laughs> deal. I mean, if you if you're a dirt fan, right? You, Boone has got to be on the list. Um, and and you have a, you have East Bay Evolution for Speed Weeks. So I got a whole bunch. I want to I want to Ben Shelton it. I want to go down there. I want to spend a <laughs> month in Florida, enjoy the sun, and go to every race I can. Um, that would be fantastic. A month of Speed Weeks down in Florida. Little asphalt stuff for Brad. The Daytona 500. Um, that would be something I've, I've been to that, excuse me, I've been to NASCAR races, but the Daytona 500 is the Daytona 500. I don't know, regardless how we feel about NASCAR, it's the Daytona 500, right? And, uh, the Quad Cities 150 at Davenport, um, that little bull ring over there in Davenport puts together some pretty good races as well. So that would be kind of my list right now. And there's, there's a ton. I mean, we could talk about this all day. But, but fans, I mean, if you want, put in the comments, right? What are some races you want to hit? What are some races that are on your bucket list, so to speak? And, uh, Bert, out of them this year, I for sure, you know, and there's other ones that I might hit. just depends on things work out. But I will be at the Parade Dirt Classic. And um, we've, we've had a request, and I don't know if you can make it, get time off, and we got to schedule it in advance. But we have, we have been requested to be on site live for the John Seitz Memorial race 
um, doing pre-race, post-race, and being a part of the John Seitz Memorial in 2023. So I'm going to do everything. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it to that. Um, I, that would be a heck of a fun time, but we when might is have to that? get birth there. Um, World 100 week. Oh, because I'm planning on going to the World 100. The world, the world 100, the sites memorial. World 100 sites memorial. It's a sites memorial. You can watch the world 100 online. What are you doing? I hear you. I hear you. So All right. we'll, Rick, we'll see you. Right. We'll we'll see you. We'll see you when we get a little closer there. But yeah, put in the comments what what your favorites are, and let's jump over into the pickums. Of course, there was no racing that we picked last week, so the points stayed the same. Kurt at 27. I'm at 23. Jeff's at 21. Mike and Brad at 20. Kent at 19, Dan at 14, the two-time and reigning champion, Burt Lehman at 13, and not-so-hot Carl is threatening to climb out of the cellar this week <laughs> and, and go edge above somebody here, whether it's Burt, it might be Dan, somebody. I have a feeling Carl is not going to be in last after this week. So this week, Bert, we're going to pick, uh, we got four events that we're going to pick. Um, the Tennessee tip-off at Smoky Mountain, the newly configured Smoky Mountain Speedway. They shortened that track up in uh, World of Outlaw Late Model Action Friday and Saturday. Um, that, that should be good. I'm excited they got that track a little shorter. That's going to make that place better. The low-E insulation spring showdown at Volusia. World of Outlaw Sprint Cars Sunday and Monday. Plus, remember that one night rained out about halfway through, so they got a makeup feature in there as well. The 13th annual Texas Spring Nationals at Rocket Raceway Park. USMTS modified opener Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And that's down in Petty, Texas. And uh, you'll want to watch that on Race and Dirt. Um, the World of Outlaw stuff, of course, both of those are on Dirt Vision. And then uh, last but not least, the Ginger Owens Memorial Southern All-Stars Late Models at Cherokee, Gaffney, South Carolina. That is Sunday, 20,000 to win. And Bert, I got a, I don't want to say a pet peeve, but a suggestion, right? So it's the Ginger Owens Memorial, right? So a lot of times we see it's such and such memorial, such and such memorial. But then you, you look everywhere and it's like, well, who is this person? Right. So, so promoters, drivers, fans, whoever, like if you're putting together a memorial race, put together a write up, maybe have somebody help you with it, videos, pictures, collage, whatever, but put together something to where we can look at it and go, okay, Ginger Owens Memorial. Who is Ginger Owens? Who is this person? Um, I always, it intrigues me to know a little bit about the person they're having the memorial race for. And uh, so I think if you're going to have a memorial race for somebody, have it to where you can have that information out. So people can actually look and be like, this is who the memorial's for. And uh, I've seen a few places do that, but not enough. What, what's your thoughts on that? No, I agree. I mean, uh, obviously, if you're having a memorial race, um, you feel like you feel as if this person um, is is very important to your facility or sanctioning body or you know whoever is hosting the race so so yeah I mean uh, if, if you feel it's important enough to have a memorial race share a little information about the person absolutely so let's jump into the last lap bird brought to you 
by Zuli's race engines. So if you're in the Wissota area, even IMC, he builds anything. He can build any engine, but he builds a lot for the, for the cars I watch in the Wissota area. If you want to win races, championships, series, be in the hunt for a national title, you got to have power. You got to have longevity, durability. You got to have a good piece underneath the hood. There's a reason if you check these guys out on Facebook, that it's like a laundry list of wins week after week after week, all season long. It's the total package, right? If you can't beat them, join them. Zuli's race engines, that's what you need to get your season off, uh, off to a good start and keep it rolling right to the very end. So get a hold of Frank and uh, check them out on Facebook. His phone number's on there and get on the list. He's busy and he's busy for a reason because he builds a lot of winning engines. So, <clears throat> Bert, did you watch uh, – there, there was no dirt racing this weekend, no football, right? Um, did you watch the NASCAR race? I saw about the last 40 to 50 laps or so. I had my granddaughter for most of the weekend. So um, after I got home from dropping her off, I, I watched the last 40 to 50 laps. And, um, I mean, what I saw was, what you know, was okay racing. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I typically haven't watched NASCAR in a long time, right? I really haven't, but I was, I was, I was driving. I, I didn't really watch and kind of listen more than anything, but I kind of had it on, but I, you know, more, more listen. And, and I gotta be honest. It was, I watched from the pre-race to the post-race and it was, I was fairly entertained and I needed something to do. So I was fairly entertained the whole time couple things stuck out kevin harvick 750 a straight start so that's that's astonishing sounds like it's his last year he's going to the booth they did a kind of a cool little documentary bert kind of a whole production he went back home in bakersfield and you know they kind of went through where he's got his roots racing they're, yeah they're doing right. they're doing he's a from lot. california and that's where the race was was in california yeah yep. so they're doing but they're doing a lot as a as nascar to tie in some of that stuff during the race to make it more of a production. And I thought they did a great job. Fox does an awesome job with that. Um, Another thing, Kyle Busch, right? It's been so long since he's won a race that the crowd literally forgot to boo him. (laughs) It was crazy. They're like cheering. They're like, well, this ain't going to happen long. So remember, he's driving now for Childress, right? So they got, you know, all you day, I'm a Dale Earnhardt fan, right? And I, I'm a Dale Earnhardt fan. I'm like, I hate Kyle Busch. And they kind of drive the same. So, so they kind of got, finally got like an intimidator guy in, but they interviewed him before the race. And I'm like, well, is he on Ridland or something? Like he's like laid back and calm and he was like professional. I'm like, what happened to this guy? This ain't the snivelly, whiny little brat I remember, but it's been a while since I watched NASCAR. Um, but he carried himself pretty darn well and he you know, the crowd erupted when he won it was like it was like last april or not last april but two aprils ago it was almost two full years since he's won a nascar race other than the one on dirt at bristol so he on pavement he it's been almost two years since he won a okay okay i was wondering about that because um the win on sunday makes him um he broke the, the record for the most consecutive seasons with a NASCAR victory. Yep. And it was that dirt race that kept him alive. Yeah, okay. last year. That's the only one he won. <clears throat> and so the other thing I noticed is 
we've talked about starts, right? Jumping the start, restarts, all that. So they have a start zone, right? So they have basically, in, in essence, they got two cones or whatever they have, sticks or flags or whatever they have there. But they have an area to where the leader can fire anywhere in that area, right? Well, this year they made the decision to widen that zone to give the leader the opportunity, like you're going to fire somewhere in here. And, and I, and I think dirt tracks got to take note of that. A lot of them just have like fire at the tire, right? Well, then you're a sitting dog, right? If you got a fire at the cone or the start line, then everybody behind you is anticipating it and they can like snooker you. The start zone deal I think is great because the leader determines where they start the race then somewhere in that zone and the leader has control and they should. Why? Because they're the leader. They should have control. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing. So that's enough on NASCAR. Um, well, snow, right? They they almost didn't get it in because there was a pile of snow out there, right? Literally snowed in Southern California, which is, you know, they usually get it. They, they did get it in the mountains, but they got a ton. And speaking of snow, snow drift. We forgot to mention him when we did a recap. And I, somebody called me out on it. They saw me message on Facebook and they were right. Um, you know, he had a, he, he looked pretty sporty in Volusia. I mean, one night he was overall fast time, right? So he had a fast hot rod. And then one of that one night where they had the split features, he led the majority of that race. <clears throat> then there was a yellow. Then Hudson O'Neill got, excuse me, got by. And then like 972 people got flat tires because they ran over debris. But if not for that caution, he might've won that race. I mean, he was really, really good down there. So kind of cool to see him make the trip down from Renner, South Dakota and actually be respectably fast and, and, and somewhat competitive down there. Yeah, I agree. Um, he seems to uh, do a lot of traveling to these uh, different special events. So, um, you know, I've, I've said this before, but, you know, when I interview drivers about traveling, out of state and stuff they obviously say um they learn the most when they travel to tracks they don't normally race at so um you know he's getting faster so obviously uh it's paying off for him absolutely so bert you have a guy you saw shot us a message uh <laughs> one of your wisconsin guys heading south uh yeah i, I saw uh jared seifert who uh um he races he's raced late models the last few years and the last couple of years he's also raced imsa stock cars and modified he posted that he's going to be spending a week in texas racing i can't remember what series it is but he's going to be racing uh, sounds like a week-long series down there and those races are going to be uh streamed on imca tv uh dot com and um so it's uh first First, he has to stand up in Kyle Redant's wedding, though. Kyle Redant uh, also races late models in Northeast Wisconsin. Um, so, but um, it's uh, good to see him uh, uh, travel down there and wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to keep an eye on that and see how oh, that goes. I don't know if I, he's racing an IMCA stock car. I don't know if I mentioned what he's racing, but okay, he's racing an so, IMCA stock car. So something fun and worth watching then is what you're trying to say. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> so I uh, I had somebody reach out because last week I talked about Hibbing Raceway up in Hibbing, Minnesota. They're going to have a 5,000 to win late model event. 
um, I think at the end of July. And that same night, Ogilvy, who never ran late models weekly before, they're going to run like 12 shows this year. Well, they have them on the schedule that night. And Hibbing essentially is going to do a 5,000 a win race, which obviously they're not going to do point average because it's a 5,000 a win race. They're going to have draw redraw. Well, he pointed out, he said, look, he goes, uh, they can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean they can't? do that like they're the established that saturday track well technically ogilvy's oh that's a weekly track and ogilvy they're running a point average night and that is now considered a special and according to the wisota rule book right which is outdated and ridiculous like tracks are only allowed to have one draw redraw race per year that's it that's all they're allowed that is for track points so being that this one would also be a draw redraw night, it's now considered a special, it would fall within the mile radius. And now does technically does Hibbing have to ask permission from Ogilvy to have that race? I think it's kind of silly myself, but he's not wrong. I mean, he's, he's technically right. I mean, that's the rules, but it seems like they've kind of just let everybody kind of do what they want over the last few years. So, what I'm hoping here is Hibbing and Ogilvy communicate like adult promoters do, work it, work it out amongst themselves. And in a perfect world, if Hibbing's having a five grand to win show, Ogilvy, in my mind, should be like, look, we're, we're just paying regular purses, right? Like, we don't care. if I, We'll take it off. They don't need 12 shows, whatever. You know, so they can work it out. I don't care which way it goes. I just hopefully that it ends in a way that everybody's happy and they're not bickering amongst each other um well um i mean i'm not sure what imca's rule is now um but at one point they did have a rule where they you could only have so many races per year in which it was draw redraw um and that was to you know protect tracks and stuff but uh i i same same thing now i i don't think they really enforce that anymore uh because um there's some tracks that seem to have like a special every week <laughs> what that happens over there too weird <laughs> yeah wow I, okay i thought we were the only special ones over in our neck of the woods but evidently not right um so i did see another special i think i sent this to you did i send you the little ad the little uh deal for checkers or wreckers at boot hill speedway uh if you did i didn't see it i'm gonna send it to mason so we can put it in here but okay. essentially it's a factory stock race down at boot hill speedway down i believe in louisiana and the rules are very simple you race the race right but once the white flag flies white flag comes out it is an absolute free for all right you can flat out destroy the leader. And it's, I think it's 5,000 to win. And I think it's 6,000 to win if you wreck the leader to do it, something like that. And they're like, we don't want no crying, no whining. You know what you signed up for. And uh, I, I got to be honest, it's kind of a pretty cool marketing deal. I mean, all well, the, half I mean, the big sanctioning bodies allow it. They just don't say so. Well, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if all the drivers know what the rule is ahead of time, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> As a fan, right, you're going, man, I hope there is a caution with two to go. Like, I want green, white, checkered, 
And then I want like Timmy Johnson there in second. That's what I want. Or Terry you don't, Casey. You don't want to be. You don't want to be leading. <laughs> Absolutely not. If you're, if you're leading that deal, you better be really fast, so that way you can get away from them, and you better protect the slider. And uh, yeah, that that is. I'm gonna have to see if that one is screened because that would be uh, pretty fun to watch. And then I, I got called out another donkey award to myself here. I got called out again. Last week I mentioned you know Huddy made the switch. He was in a Longhorn last year rock edition that that car he was in last year was a rocket that's okay. seven to seven. yeah i i didn't know that that dan dan texted me he goes uh nope you're wrong on that i'm like fair enough i, I guess i didn't realize that so yeah a little uh we'll kind of call ourselves out there speaking of calling ourselves out let's get to the three bold predictions bert now none came to fruition last week because there really was not much racing um, but on the year so far, um, I'm batting 34.48%. 10 correct, 19 incorrect, and four still on the board. And Bert is batting an even 500. You're 50%. 15 correct, 15 incorrect, three on the board. So we had nothing come off the board because there was no racing. But we'll get into this week's three bold predictions, and the rules are simple. Uh, we're going to make three predictions racing related, and it's got to be something that's not an opinion based deal. And either like we can look at it and be like, yes, that did happen or no, that did not happen. Um, and that that's, that's as simple as it gets. So Bert, what are your three? Uh, Derek Ramirez gets two wins this week in USMTS action. Derek Ramirez gets two wins. Amen. A main wins, yes. A main, okay, okay. So not not a hot laps, not a not B <laughs> main. Okay, all right. Uh, I am gonna go with Deer Creek slash Mississippi Thunder Speedway mod drivers. Examples would be um, Jake Tim, J- Joe Chisholm, Jim Chisholm. I think Jim Chisholm's in the USMPS. Um, that police, Josh Hanks, right? Uh, Dustin Sorensen, if he's there. But that that contingent of people, they're going to combine for at least two podiums this weekend down at Rocket Raceway Park in the USMTS opening weekend. Okay. Uh, my second one is Brad Sweet continues to get the goose egg on the season in World of Outlaw action this week. Jinxing old, uh, old uh, Brad Sweet, cause, huh? Because there's <laughs> actually, there'll actually be three features, correct? With the makeup, including the makeup. There will. There yeah. will. Yes, there will. I'm going to go with a parlay here. So, Jeff, take note. This is a two pointer right here. This is not a one pointer. If I'm correct, when I'm correct, this is two points, okay? So parlay. So this weekend, we have three A-mains in Volusia. We have three USMTS A-mains. We have two World of Outlaw A-mains, one Southern All-Star A-main at Cherokee, and two Spring Nationals. We're not picking those, but two. we have Sonoy and Swainsboro are both running the Spring Nationals, the 10,053, the Ray Cooks deal, okay? So a lot of racing, a lot of racing. There is going to be, in in each of those three series, there's going to be a pass for the lead inside the final two laps of, of at least one sprint race 
one USMTS mod race and one late model race from those. I can't pick some other late model race that I didn't mention here. It's got to be one of these races, okay? So in in all in in the sprints, in the mods, and in the lates, at least one of the features is going to be won by somebody taking the lead in the final two laps. Okay. Um, and I will, my last one, I will go with Jarrett Seifert will get at least one A main victory down in Texas. Ah, I like the Homer call there. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> I got, I got a couple here. I, I was going to take kind of what I figured low lying through, but when you said Derek Ramirez would win too. I had Jake O'Neill's going to win at least one. I'm like, well, I can't really do that. Um, <clears throat> I am going to go. I'll go with soda related. I'll go with soda related. The Wasoda Promoters Association will have a press release in regards to tires before May 1st. Okay. <laughs> and that can be good well, or indifferent. Well, now they're not going to just to spite you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that could very well happen. So, so <clears throat> we're always fun talking racing. Lots of racing this weekend. Uh, what the heck day is it? it it's Tuesday, so Tuesday, there's nothing Wednesday. on Wednesday. So everything everything kind of starts looks like Thursday here. So there's plenty of racing action to be had. You know, lots of streaming options. Jump on, check out some racing. If you can get there, it's always good to get there. I guess uh, we don't really have any in the north this time of year. But a shout out again to the sponsors. Dirt Track Supply, Brad Carson Egg Solutions, BuyRaceShirts.com, Dirt Race Central, Mason Aaron's Videos, Impact Health Sharing, Zuli's Race Engines. Um, lots of great sponsors. Got a brand new sponsor, Bert, that we're going to unveil next week. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to have them on board. Again, I talked about a solution to the tire issue, right? The cost of tires. Little teaser. You do the math. We'll talk about that next week. I'm Ryan Eho. That is the Burt Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.